Hey, hey. You listen to Johnny's Secret Stash. I'm John Goldman. We got Adam Conley here. What's going on, Adam? Hush, how are you? All right. We are uh, doing the show today from the WRHC Studios in Three Oaks, Michigan. If you're listening to us, you're at 106.7 WRHC out of Three Oaks or WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. And we are underwritten by Harbor Country Hydroponics from New Buffalo, Michigan for everything you need to grow your own secret stash. You, that was just a little clip from Stealing the Farm. And uh, we're fortunate enough to have a guest with us today. Adam, who's our guest? Have, uh, the <coughs> much overdue Pat Conway from Stealing the Farm. All uh, right. How do you do? How do you do? Yeah, you're going to be on our first show. I'm glad to have you on show 17. <coughs> Amen. <laughs> We're going to um, play a couple uh, songs here. Well, play one song. This looks like a uh, a version of Grateful Dead's Cassidy that you guys did in Boulder, Colorado in July of 2017. Listen to the song and come back and talk to Patrick.
Nothing to tell now. Words of yours I know with mine. Fairly well now. Words is a fight over signs. Nothing to tell now. But the words of yours I'm done with mine. Done with mine.
Well, a little technical difficulty there, but we were pretty close to the end. That was a really great version. You guys, uh, we are with Stealing the Farms bass player, Patrick Conway, and uh, that was a, a version of Grateful Dead's Cassidy from a uh, show in Boulder, Colorado. Can't wait to hear about that. But uh, just, you know, wanted to welcome Patrick to the shore. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for and, having me. Uh, you know, uh, I also Adam Conley. Uh, yeah. Okay, Adam's here, here, guitar player from Beer Hippies and uh, uh, Bone Naked. You can uh, catch him on stage with us a lot too. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's always a pleasure. Weasel my way up there. <laughs> it's not real hard. So Patrick, let's, let me uh, ask you, you know, a couple background questions. So where did you grow up, and uh, where did you learn how to play the bass, man? Well, I'm from Northwest Indiana originally. I went to like Portage schools, grew up in like South Haven, which uh, a lot of people might be familiar with. It's this gorgeous little piece of land in between Valparaiso and Portage. Um, yeah, I pretty much was there my entire childhood. Uh, started playing bass when I was about 15 years old. And Did you play any instruments before that? No, man. I mean, I... I screwed around with guitars and stuff, but I never, never anything seriously. Or never. they didn't make you play the trumpet in high school or anything like that. No, uh, no, right. I didn't get forced to do anything. <laughs> I played played a lot of baseball before. Oh yeah, before that. Uh-huh. baseball and skateboarding until I started to play music. Yeah, but everything else went away. <laughs> and how'd you pick up the bass? How how did that happen? It was always what I gravitated to. It was my favorite my favorite instrument. I mean, it, once I really started paying attention to music more other than just what was on the surface the bass always just spoke to me like i got you know primus was a big one you know and oh I sure getting into, like the yeah. whole 90s grunge scene and Les everything and, and, and he just stuck out like a sore thumb no pun intended but uh <laughs> you know that was you know like i said just hearing what could be done with that instrument that you know you don't normally hear people like him and yeah. victor wooten and whatnot that we're just like whoa this isn't just the background thing. It doesn't have to be anyway. But So know. were you listening to Les Claypool and all those bass players and thought, I want, I want to be able to play the bass like that? Or did you get a bass and then, you know, he started fiddling around with it? And what was the transition? Well, I, I mean, it was, yeah, initially, yes, like, oh, man, I want to do that. And then my parents wouldn't buy me a bass because they were – just convinced that it was going to collect dust. Yeah, and just, you know, <laughs> just like it's just another one like of your fans. Like the fads. guitar I have seen in my living Damn room. Teenagers, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, I so I ended up saving up my own money and bought myself a bass starter pack with a you know Epiphone amp and, uh-huh. and you know got the bad cable and everything that came with it and started taking lessons in uh at a, a place called the Conservatory for the Performing Arts in Valpo. Um, a guy named Aaron Yakovitz was my teacher, uh, who was just an amazing jazz player and really guided me in the right direction. Like started, started with theory. Like mm-hmm. everything was just like, okay, basic theory. Don't worry about playing all these songs that you want, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. It was more just teaching me about the language uh-huh. instead of, uh, you know, just going right. Initially I was just like, I'm going to go learn to play these songs. And it was like, no, that's not how this works. I mean, it can work like that, but if you want to do this. Yeah. Some teachers, I think take that, that direction where they're trying to guide you through how to play by learning songs. But that, I like that, that, uh, idea of seeing the bigger picture. Yeah. And uh, that's like the Suzuki method almost. 
which they you know used to teach little kids violin. Anyway, that's how I learned. Yeah. That's how I was taking violin lessons when I was five or whatever. Right. For six months, yeah. <laughs> didn't last. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, it's a. I don't know. It from there, I ended up going to another teacher a few years later, which was uh, Buddy Pearson, which I'm sure you're familiar with. But he's uh, a jazz funk fusion bass lord basically <laughs> he's, wow. he's from northwest indiana he's out in south bend now but he plays in a band called freak johnson which is a right insane I... jazz fusion band you can catch him all over all over south bend in the region playing pretty much nightly but he does a lot of solo stuff and but he's he's just one of those dudes he's a wizard he's as good as you'll ever see so, yeah. Do you have any brothers or sisters Do they play instruments i have five sisters and one brother and no, <laughs> uh, no one else. Um, no, I mean they, they're all a lot older than me too. Um, it's a. Are you the baby of oh, I'm, all of? I'm the super baby. I'm, wow, I'm, I'm 15 years younger than than one next to me. You're so. kidding! Wow. So I was basically an only child growing up. Uh huh. Yeah. The relationship with my brothers and you know, my brother and sisters was a lot more like aunts and uncles as I, when I was uh-huh. a kid, you know, than it was like, you know, I didn't have anybody picking on me. Ah, uh, right. They were. Past the age of yeah, one of the, the, out of the house siblings, out of the state, basically. Yeah, all of them. So, but yeah, so no, my you know my mom messed around with the piano a little bit, and one of my sisters uh, sings a lot, and she, I guess, I, I guess my sister Mel would be a musician. She she's a singer, and she can play the guitar a little bit, but but yeah, uh, no, no real like serious, even serious hobbyist uh-huh. in my family. Like, some of my uncles play and whatnot, but I don't know. It was more my friends that got me into it than right. my family. Um, you know, I had a, one of my best friends, Pete Rem, uh, growing up. Like, we started playing together at the same time. He actually took lessons from the same teacher I did, but he was taking lessons. Uh, he was taking piano lessons. Um, and, yeah, so it was kind of neat. We just we started at the same time and jammed together, and we kind of started learning together. He took off man i mean he's out in new york now he's in Nora jones band so he's he's doing okay <laughs> he plays with the Nora jones band yeah oh wow <laughs> yeah, that's so, awesome but uh so when you guys first started playing together were you creating your own music or were you covering songs and what kind of music did you you know try to play when you were first starting out a lot of blues i mean you know because like i said the the way our our teacher approached it wasn't so much like here's a bunch of songs to learn it was learning you know, structure and learning how the chords move and so on and so forth and then learning how to properly, you know, put melodies on top of chords and so on and so forth. And the blues is just a really easy way to get into that. So that was one of those things that he kind of pushed. He's like, work with, with, with these movements and start learning how to phrase and so on and so forth. So, so almost wasn't even particular blues songs that you first started no. playing. You just kind of play in a blues mode and let it evolve exactly. and create like, as you're going one four five and C, you know awesome. <laughs> go <laughs> and there was a lot of that but you know we we messed around with like a lot of like Beatles stuff and grateful dead stuff and things like that and, and it was just a bass player and a keyboard player yeah was he able to kind of cover the percussion aspects of it or i mean this was we were, this was brand new oh, I mean, yeah, to both yeah. of us so i mean <laughs> it was a lot of uh, a lot of you know, bad notes and so and that was just over. you guys <laughs> hanging out and jamming and not so much getting out there and oh, uh no. performing for yeah. others. Well when did that start? When did you first start performing? Uh well I started I was in a couple different bands like while I was in high school that n- nothing like 
that we ever played regularly. Um, say when I was like 18, I started, actually I was in a band with Pete and a guy named Chad Burton and uh, Jason Kahn. And it was like, a, it's pretty funny, it was like a dual <laughs> type of thing where we, we had like a cover band that we would play in bars and stuff with and doing like just all kinds of like classic rock stuff and, you know, just stuff like that. And then we also... <laughs> played with a lady named Kim Francovilia who was like a jazz singer and like like but like cheesy show tunes jazz you uh-huh. know? but we would uh we also backed her and uh you know the guitar player had one of those crazy rolling synths that could you know make your guitar sound like a horn section and stuff oh yeah <laughs> and we did like as a four piece band we're doing like big band music with this female singer and I mean, we were on like that's stretching it. Like ABC, sounds fun. ABC News. Really, <laughs> one morning in Chicago, we played on like the news. Yeah, I don't know. It was just goofy, weird stuff. But and is then, that online somewhere? <laughs> I don't know, man. I have it on VHS somewhere. Oh, but <laughs> oh, I wrote it. <laughs> it's a, it's it's amusing. But yeah, so that that was though like the first band that I really like gigged with regularly, where it was almost a source of income. So what was that called? What did you guys call yourself? Well, uh, with with Kim, it was Kim and the Guys. All right. Because, you know, that's... Bunch of guys. Original and awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we played under Checkmate as the uh, the, the, the rock band. <laughs> cool. But, Checkmate. All right. And then uh, that evolved into something else? Uh, no, man. Everybody just kind of went their separate ways uh-huh. there. Um, eventually... Uh, I don't know, when I was in my early 20s, I started playing with a, a guy named Rodney Rolo, and we were just sitting around writing songs on a regular basis, basically. And um, we ended up forming a band called Funk Shoe, which me and him played with, a God, countless musicians in the area <laughs> that we were in and out of that band. But uh, we were a band for band about 10 years almost, uh, but we played all over the place here. Cool. Um, okay, and creating original songs that you you know you guys wrote your own songs. Yeah. So what uh, what kind of songs did you write through that band? Uh, it was a lot of uh, you know like jam rock stuff. A lot of, mm-hmm. you know in the vein of like like Fish and the Dead and you know some leaning more towards like alt country stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. But, uh, it like, was all over the place. Uh, kind of trading. Uncle Tupelo kind of. Kind of, yeah. A little um, bit of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, little Wilco-ish stuff going on in it. Um, but it was all over the place. I mean, we, we always, just like in Still on the Farm, like try to try to cover all the bases, like try to try to dabble in everything that we actually enjoy and things that we know we can pull off at least decently. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, making it fun, too, it sounds yeah. like. Uh, what was your first uh, bass? You talked about the Epiphone amp, but... It was a oh, it was an Epiphone starter bass too. Oh, yeah, right. it was all all had Epiphone on it. But <clears throat> that was you know that was my I don't know I would I, I would count my first actual bass where I went and picked out a bass was a um, like a five string Ibanez. It was like a Ibanez Soundgear five hundred five. Uh huh. Was wood grain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. But yeah, so. Do you ever play uh, stand up bass or uh, acoustic bass or anything like that? Yeah, I played. Uh, I played upright in, in jazz band in high school. Um, All right, I, so you did get <laughs> pushed through, you know, some kind of uh, thing in high school, like a music thing. I joined jazz band uh, my junior year. After uh, already making a go at, at the electric bass. Yeah, after playing. I mean, I, 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 play, I played electric bass in jazz band, too. We played both. But um, 
but yeah, I joined, like, I was one of those weird kids that started music, it, like I said, towards the end of high school, uh-huh. you know, like actual organized music program, so, but it was, but it was by choice, it wasn't, you know, no one was forcing me, it was like, oh, I want to play in jazz band, Yeah. You know? Once I started, once again, understanding music theory and really getting into it, it's like, man, this is fun as hell. Yeah, so, I mean, you've had, uh, and that was probably mostly classical or at least uh, um, jazz-inspired. Yeah, I mean, as far as what we did in jazz band. Yeah. Like, uh, we we played, like, probably the most popular song we played while I was in there was, like, Girl from Ipanema. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. But, yeah, I mean, it was, we had a really, really good jazz teacher. Like, he, this dude, his name was uh, Mr. Symer, but uh, he played, he was a trumpet player, but he played with, like, the, the band that, uh, played at the United Center before the Bulls came on. Like he was in like that that jazz band. Uh-huh. Stuff. Like he was, he was hot man. I mean the guy could play and he really really understood music and he was our our music theory teacher too. Just just the nicest dude, strange as could be and just super interesting, eclectic <laughs> human being. But yeah. Uh, when you were growing up, you mentioned um, uh, Les Claypool and. Uh... Um, so who are some of your, the other kind of music that you listened to when, when you were growing up? Oh man, I, I, <laughs> I ran the gauntlet. I mean, like my first, uh, I think my first, first album I owned was, was, uh, Bruce Springsteen born in the USA and Michael Jackson's thriller. But those were, those were given to me basically uh-huh. like listen to this kid <laughs> like the first things i actually i actually bought with my money were like like guns and roses appetite for destruction which my mom threw away pretty quickly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah stuff like that then you know as your a, siblings leave any vinyl like in the attic that oh, you no, found no, later they on. took that all they, uh, yeah. <laughs> wasn't like that yeah no unfortunately uh you know i got into really started getting into music in like the early 90s so a lot of oh the, so the, you the, you were already into that was cds at that point it was probably hard to find vinyl when you were yeah you know, first starting to look at albums yeah and who yeah. would you know i remember that period you know yeah. you're, you're sort of like well there's this perfect technology yeah exactly why would i listen to pops and, <laughs> like I can't, and skips can't take these things with me yeah but, and that's true but yeah so a lot of a lot of the the 90s alternative stuff was like what uh, I started listening to, and then, you know, it, it that moved into into the more like psychedelic area. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> like, started getting into the dead and fish and all that whole scene, and you know, and started started really get into jazz a lot too as a teenager. So that kind of all blossomed into what I listen to now and what we play now. So, so is, what kind of jazz? Like Miles Davis or more. Uh... Or Coltrane, or those guys. I was yeah, huge Miles Davis fan. Um, you know, listened to a lot of fusion and stuff too. Like I was you know, like really into Weather Report, just obviously because like guys like Jacob Pistorius is just yeah. unbelievable. But John McLaughlin, um, you know, a little bit of everything, but like a lot of Miles Davis though. Yeah, it didn't. I always had a hard time with like the older stuff, like like uh-huh. like Coltrane and. Dizzy Gillespie and stuff like that. I mean, I loved it, but it was just like, had a hard time just sitting listening to it, you know? Yeah. Where... Yeah, right. Dizzy's was a little more big band sound. Yeah. and But Coltrane, you know, he was he was really experimental from an early time. I mean, some of his early stuff is just oh, yeah. him blaring away uh-huh. and, you know, almost cacophony uh-huh. as opposed to uh, melodies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was pretty amazing. I heard that... Uh, Coltrane's family like uncovered some 
unreleased songs and they're going to release them like in a couple months or something. That'd be kind of cool to yeah. a new Coltrane album. Heck yeah. <laughs> See what happens with that. Uh, all right. So let's, uh, let's take a little break. And, um, I did find this old version of, uh, of a song called Hongos. Did, is that a steal in the farm song? Is that one that you, <laughs> I don't, know what no. I don't know what you're digging into over right. there, man. I'm telling you, the, the internet is a big, scary hole. So. Yeah, right. I was actually thinking that you guys had kind of more on, on, uh, on the, on the, the web. I got the go ahead too. Oh, all right. So. Uh, well, let's let's play. Uh, let's see how we could probably do that. Well, we're going to have to set that up. All right. So, so let's play this one, and we'll we'll play. Uh, We'll come back and keep in mind this band has had like 900 members. And <laughs> I know, I know. In fact, I, I'm starting to think that you might not actually be on this recording, but probably not. it'll be pre- kind of interesting. Uh, you're listening to <laughs> Johnny Secret Stash, <laughs> and uh, I'm John Goldman, and Adam Conley's here with me, and we are uh, talking with Patrick Conway from Steel on the Farm. Uh, you're listening to WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. And we also have a podcast, Johnny's Secret Stash, No H and Johnny, available through Podbean or iTunes. And then, of course, uh, for the radio, you could always stream us through the RadioHarborCountry.org website. All right, I'm going to play an old Stealing the Farm version of uh, Hongo's. Maybe Pat knows about this. There we go. A little bit of a pause before the uh, music starts.
That was that was first generation stealing the farm. Looks like Marcus <laughs> Seyford, who's now your keyboard player, was uh, on base. So that was that was before your time, Marcus. I didn't give him permission to do that. Don't hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> when did you uh, join up with Steel on the Farm? Uh, two thousand fifteen, yeah, fourteen. It was like winter of two thousand fourteen. What were you doing at that point? Were you with a different band? I wasn't doing nothing. Yeah, <laughs> playing, Just, playing in my room. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it, I uh, the band Funk Show I was in ended up kind of dissolving because. I ended. I was working for Guitar Center at the time and got transferred out to Fort Wayne, and we kept playing for still about a year. And I was driving back to Valpo from Fort Wayne to practice oh, and man. stuff, and it just got too much. I mean, yeah, I that's a started big having, drive. Started having babies, and just time was not. You know, yeah, it was a little more valuable. <laughs> right, so, right. You can't just leave baby by itself. Yeah. So yeah, from like two thousand, I don't know, eleven or so, me. Probably about 2011 to 2014, I wasn't playing in any bands or anything like that. Just woodshed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, is that when your young, or your oldest was born? Uh, he was born in 2009. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. yeah. All right. Uh, so then um, how did you know um, Marcus or any of the other guys from Steel on the Farm at the time that uh, you started playing with them? Um, yeah, loosely. Uh, I mean, I, we, my band Feng Shu had played, a, played a few shows with still on the farm. Um, it's kind of funny. I, I jokingly went up to Marcus one day when I, I used to bartend at Shoreline Brewery and his band was playing there still on the farm. And I, I knew Marcus was a phenomenal keyboard player at the time anyway. And I, I jokingly went up to Marcus <laughs> during their set break. I was just like, Hey dude, just so you know, if you ever want to quit playing bass and play keyboards, I'll, I'll play bass in your mouth. And he's just like, oh, yeah? I'm like, oh, yeah. It was, you know, ha, ha, ha. Wow. Whatever. And then like a year or so later, I got a phone call from him. He's like, hey, are you, are you serious about that? It's like, yeah, I was. Why? And yeah, one thing led to another. And so what year now. was that? That, that I started playing yeah. with him? Like, like I said, it was like 2014, like oh, okay. wintertime, like almost 2015. All right. And you had written your own songs prior to going to play with Steel on the Farm. Did you bring any of those songs to the Steel on the Farm? Yeah, actually, we do. We play a couple of the songs that I wrote uh, long before I knew those guys. Uh, one of them actually made the album, uh, a song called Take the Time. I don't think that's the one we're going to play, but uh, it's on there. Uh, uh-huh. But yeah, we, 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 we all tried to write together, um, and everybody's always open to, you know, anybody's personal songs that they've written or whatever and everybody's always open and open to tweaking them you know making things better letting, I mean, total letting team people effort. help out and all yeah. that yeah, i mean the, the the end goal is making a song that sounds good so and we yeah. all, we're all on the same page so we try to go into it without egos and i know you guys do a couple covers you know we played that cassidy before but most of the your shows are just your original materials the band's original materials and it's got that same kind of, you know, jam style like Dead and Fish and Widespread and Umphreys and um you know, I know you you sing, Marcus sings. Um I don't think uh, Mike the um the guitar player, I don't think he's a singer. I don't even think he has a mic up there, does he? He sings. He's he's one of those guys that he, at the beginning of every show, he's like, "You don't really have to give me a mic." But <laughs> the more we push it in his face, the more he sings. But we, we did uh we did that show at Burnham uh, with the, the Big Lebowski uh, 
I don't know what you want to call it. It was just like a silly Big Lebowski themed show that we played with. Uh, I mean, Adam played with us, uh, and uh, Dustin Lowe uh, he played with us. Blake Vissing, but oh, that must have been a great jam. Mike sang at uh, least two songs. Yeah. Didn't he? I know he he sang the Kenny Rogers song. He sang the CCR. Yeah, he sang a CCR song too. So yeah, he can sing. He's, yeah, he's got a good voice. He's just one of those guys. Just like, well. Marcus sings better than everybody, so why should <laughs> why should we even bother? Yeah. Marcus does sing well. Yeah, he's, he knows what he's doing. Well, you've got a very distinctive voice too. You know, yeah, uh, it's, yeah it's, it's one way to put it. A little low. I mean, but you know, it's it's solid and lower than Marcus's. Marcus Lowly, sings yeah. like a more of a mid range, but you're kind of like a bass side. Yeah, well, Marcus can sing low better than I can too. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I do it. I do it. I can, up. man. I try yeah. my best. I want to sing better than I do. One of my favorite covers that you guys do is that um, the Pink Floyd Pigs song. Yeah, and I mean, it just you know, it, it sounds so perfect. It, it, awesome. It's like you guys are matching the the original song so well, but just really taking it to the next next level and not leaving anything out. You know, Thanks. with Justin Belcher on drums doing the pig noises oh yeah i mean it and it's God, like he mirrors the album yeah. you know he really has got that down yeah that's a fun one that that that's a weird intense one too, too. yeah it's very it, it, it is intense and it can it, it's like almost disturbing we we question almost every time we play it. we're just like <laughs> how what is this going to do to the room yeah like, right it's like right now everybody's in a great mood are we gonna you know we're gonna change the tide but, little children covering their eyes yeah, but no, that's, <laughs> running away that's one of my favorite covers that we do for sure yeah uh, what are some of the other covers you guys do uh, that you like? Uh, we do, uh, what, what's a sneak and Sally through the alley. Oh yeah. Which, that's a, a great one. one. Uh, that's just a rolling uh, fun time. Um, what else do we do? That's, I mean, we do, we do a lot of like dead stuff and fish stuff and I don't know. We, we dabble in a lot, <laughs> yeah. but, it, but it changes, you know, when we go through uh-huh. like, We'll be like, this song's awesome. Let's play this, and we'll play it two or three times, and then we'll shelve it and never go back to it. You know, it's the, with the covers. It's it's a lot of it. A lot of it is filler for you know. It's like okay, we have you know gigs right. on back to back nights. They're both four hour long gigs, and it's just like all right, let's learn some more stuff so we're not just going up there and playing the same exact thing we played the night before. Cause, yeah, because we always try to play as much of our original stuff as we can. I mean, that's the whole point. We're the reason we're doing this. So yeah. The covers are, I mean, it's fun for us. It's fun for the crowd and everything. But sure. At the same kind time, of re-engages the crowd sometimes. Yeah. So, you know, at the same time, it's, I mean, shit, sorry. <laughs> we've done, we've done so much like strange things that we'll never do again. I mean, when, when Halloween, we did a, a white zombie song, <laughs> you know, yeah. just stuff like that, that, you know, we've, you come out and see us. You might hear us play something the only time we ever play it. <laughs> do you guys do a um, regular practice like a regular weekly practice yeah we practice uh, once a week same like spot we, or do you just kind of go where it's like it's, someone's like okay fa- the kids are going to be you know at their grandma's so come on over it's been it's been the same spot for a while we've been practicing uh at um, mike nealon's uh girlfriend's house actually she's oh, got a place nice over for, the, yeah. a nice dry basement <laughs> lets us use it so she's awesome yeah but, that's great Justin drag his drum kit there every time, or does she already have something there? Yeah, there's there's bits and pieces there, but uh-huh. he he pretty much brings it every week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and you do it each week. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, we try anyway. <laughs> right, right. And then you were sort of talking about how you mix up each show 
you know, you don't want to play the same stuff each show. And that's good because I think, you know, anytime I've seen you, it's, you know, you've got a regular following. So <laughs> I'm sure that, that, uh, just like the dead and, and fish people come there, you know, and it's going to be a little different each show. That's, that's, nice. that's the goal. You know I mean? They, yeah. they, that's, how you keep those regular people coming. I'm sure if we just hammered the same tunes every time. We'd show up anyway. We've seen it. We've seen it. You would show up for a while, maybe, but eventually. (laughs) And do you uh, come in with a set list that you know you're going to do, or you just kind of, you know, Trey Anastasia style, just kind of like have this, all these songs circling your head, and then you kind of feel out the crowd and, and play the most appropriate thing at the most appropriate time. We try to get on stage with a set list every show. Yeah. It doesn't always happen. And there's a lot of times where we're just like, this feels like a night where we can just wing it, you know, and try try to have like at least some like lists of what we do, like close by. So we don't end up in that. What do we do now? Uh Uh, Yeah. Everybody staring at each other. Like you pick. No, you pick. So. And is there like one person in the band who kind of calls out what that song's going to be? I usually write the set lists uh-huh. before the show. Um, it, when we when we're seat of the pantsing it, um, it's kind of a team effort. You know, if if somebody's got an idea, we, we tend to we tend to listen to him because <laughs> the longer we sit in him haw, the longer yeah, the audience is right. watching us sit in him haw. So, um, well, but, you guys go a lot of times from one song to another. Like you just blend right in. Uh-huh. Sometimes that's planned. Sometimes it's not. You uh-huh. know, it's it's a lot of listening on stage. So I mean, when we, because we do a lot of like improv jamming and stuff like that, and you know, it's just a matter of making sure that you're paying attention to what everybody else is doing. And when you're doing that, and everybody keeps adding their own little little bit, a lot of times it transforms into something else. And as long as you're listening, you can usually, you know, it's it's fun bouncing into another song that you know you had no intention of playing or you know whatever but, yeah but yeah just the the moments and just like i said being aware of what's happening on stage and you know as long as you're doing that <laughs> right right adam you've played with stealing the farm a couple times right i have yeah, yeah. it's always always a blast <clears throat> it really is it adam <laughs> <laughs> it is yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we always love it when Adam comes out. So Adam has a pretty much it's like if you're gonna be at our show, bring your guitar just in case. <laughs> yeah, it's a general rule of thumb. So <laughs> and you know Adam's got a lefty guitar, so it's not yeah, like you can just can't pick sh- up can't someone just else's. Show up. Well, that's can't why that's up. why we invite him up so much. It just adds balance to the stage. It's nice. <laughs> like we got one of those instruments pointing the other way. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh. So what uh, what kind of bass are you playing with now? <laughs> it's a uh, it's a Crow Hill, which is a uh, it's a custom built instrument. Cool. Uh, a guy named Eric Smith owns the company. Uh, he's out of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Wow. Um, he does amazing custom work. Uh, that's pretty much all he does. Uh, he's at CrowHillGuitars dot com though. Check him out. He's got things that look like they should be hanging in on, on walls in museums that. You know, How'd you find out about that? Uh, yeah, the the World Wide Web? No, funny story <laughs> there, too, man. No, when I was playing with Feng Shu, uh, we, we played a show down in... Uh, no, actually, this one, we played in South Bend with a band from Indianapolis uh, called the Shadyside All-Stars. And he 
the guitar player from there had one of his guitars and it was like a really, really early model. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, just the tone of it and everything was just like, Oh my God, what is this thing? Um, and my guitar player ended up getting a hold of Eric and, and ended up having a guitar made for him. And it was just gorgeous. And, wow. And I was in the market for a new instrument at the time. I was playing, pretty much only played G and L's at the time. It was like looking to get into more of like a, like a boutique, like, you know, like more high end instrument and everything I was looking at, like I was going to be dropping four or $5,000 for what I wanted. And I was just like, this is crazy. Yeah. Like I'll just keep buying my used GNLs, you know? And finally I was just like, yeah, I'm going to hit up Eric and see what, you know, it would cost to have an instrument built. And it was really reasonable compared to what I was looking really? at. So wow. it, it was like, holy cow. So I could it's do like this. a piece of art. And it was, so what kind of electronic components are in it? Are they standard components like that are come from some other type of like a Gibson or a, Yeah. Yeah. It's, a I, 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 it's a Bartolini electronics uh-huh. in, in my base. Um, but yeah, it's a, he, he doesn't do, I actually might now, God, who knows? But, uh, at the time, you know, it was pretty much. I worked at Guitar Center, like I said, so yeah. I, I was able. One of the reasons that it was affordable Total was I was able, I was able to get all the hardware and the electronics oh. and everything at my discount, uh-huh. and then just ship them to him, and he just put them put them Amazing. on the instrument. So, so did you get like a choice of the wood grain and that kind of stuff? Yeah, did he? Um, oh, okay. it was super cool when when he was building it. Like he had it as his guitar of the month, which was really cool. So on his website, like. They're just constant updates of of my of the my build base from, from a plank of wood to cool. the finished product. Oh, that's awesome! So I was able, like, before I got it, uh-huh. I was just like just sitting there every day, like, "Ooh, go check, <laughs> refresh, refresh, and she's anything new? Come on, Eric." That's cool. And, yeah, it was. It was. I don't know, probably would have been easier on my brain if I couldn't see that because it just made me so anxious. <laughs> I was like, "Oh God, I got to get this thing now!" But but yeah, it was it was really cool. So how long have you had that? Uh, that. <laughs> I I commissioned that in 2009 about oh I think it was a month or so before I found out that we were having my yeah. first child. Right. <laughs> so it was like I dedicated a yeah. whole lot of money to something and then found out like oh you just dedicated 18 years of money to something else too. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was a little intimidating. It was like oh man, like I well. Better step like, it up. Yeah, like, there goes our savings. Yeah, <laughs> but but yeah, 2009 is when I got it. The same, cool. same, same year and, I got my my first son. So. And and you uh, only play Thing that. Remember, yep. yeah, right. Yeah, good thing to remember your uh, kid's birth year. <laughs> do you? Um, uh, and so that's that's the only instrument you play, or do you ever like just kind of pick up this one or that one or I some mean, of your older ones? That's. Um, I mean that's the only one I bring with me. I yeah. I, I, I I'm willing to play anything, but <laughs> but I mean it just it's hard. Like when, when I'm, it was built for me. I mean the, oh, my, yeah. I mean like the neck is shaped like my hand. Really? You know, it's, wow, it's, he it's, was that precise yeah, in it, his. That's it, great. It's pretty crazy, and it. I don't know. It's hard to play other instruments, especially mm-hmm. if if that's if. if if my bass is there, I'm going to play my bass. Is it a five-string? It is a five-string. Yeah. All right. So I always had this question about the five-string. I mean, you know, the four-string is the standard. So is the fifth string the low part of the bass, or is it the yeah, high part of the bass? It's the low. Um, I don't know. Yeah. The, Just it, give you like Traditional five-strings, you, you get about, yeah, five extra notes that you don't have in, uh-huh. on the low end that can make a huge difference, you know. And, and put it this way, whenever I'm playing with other bands, a lot of times, like, be like all right well we we you know we 
drop D in this one. I'm just like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I don't have to. I don't, right. I, no, I, I'll I, be playing that I D. I got that D right here. Like, <laughs> it's fine. But, you know, it's, it's, it makes sense for especially the style of music that we play. Yeah. Um, six strings are crazy because then you get the low one and the high one. And I don't know what I would do with a high C string. Why would I ever want to touch that? <laughs> you know, Leave that to Buddy Pierce. Exactly. He knows what he's doing with it. I'd just be like, tink, tink. <laughs> like, listen, guys, I got another octave. But Is there a, a venue that Steel in the Farm plays at regularly or that you like to play at regularly? Uh, we do a lot of stuff at Burnham, which is yeah. awesome. Um, you know, that place is just fun in general. The crowd's always awesome there. Um, we we do knuckleheads fairly regularly. Um, we're kind of in like a monthly rotation there. I think every three cool. months we play there. But Leroy's we've been doing a, a lot more lately. We really like that place. Um, the livery was amazing. We've done there played there twice now hopefully we'll be back there that's a really fun place to play so what what do you like about the livery is it the i mean i've heard that so many times people playing at the livery and how much they love it is that the pa system or the monitors or just it's a whole lot of just kind of I mean, as you look out the i mean the, the happy faces the, the sound is always great there i mean the the sipians like both yeah i had Matt and nate nate were, runs right? a board there too I'm okay. pretty sure Nate did the first time we were there, oh, okay. if I'm not mistaken, and then Matt did the last time, and it, it's just, I mean, those guys know what they're doing, yeah. and it's, it's, I don't know, that's something that we're not used to. It's not very often we have a sound guy in the first place, uh-huh. you know, and when we do, it's usually just like, okay, like let's cross our fingers and hope this isn't a train wreck. Right. Sometimes it is. I mean, we played a... <laughs> no, they've got a good system there, and, and Matt's been running the soundboard there for a long time, yeah. so he's really comfortable with the room and, yeah. and the room you know, what it takes. Too. It's, Plus, they do those uh, open mics, and I'll bet that they have to be right on top of it. Yeah. You know, each person comes up, they're going to be talking soft or talking too loud, and so they're always adjusting, and yeah. uh, that helps to have a guy who knows how to do that. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, I was going to say, we played a, we played a gig few years ago it was a taste of laporte and i won't mention the sound company that was running sound but we got the the sound check like we're, we're in the middle of it and it's just like you know hey the drummer needs more of this the drummer needs more of this and then eventually the guy's just like well he's just gonna have to deal with that and they're just like <laughs> okay the drummer. okay man i mean <laughs> just like it's kind of important hit a little softer please us, you know and you know the guy was just pretty rude and then Halfway through our set, all of a sudden, one of his giant, you know, $7,000 subs just starts smoking. (laughs) You can find some pictures on the internet of, like, the the guy dumping a beer into the sub. And, like, (sighs) me and the guitar player at the time, like, in the background, just laughing, (laughs) trying to play music still. It was... So let's talk about your album. You guys have an album coming out. We do. We do. Um, no, no date yet. But I, it's it's, it's coming. It's man. all in we, the can, yeah, right? Yeah, it's in the can. It's a uh, we we're in we're in you know reproduction now. So uh-huh. can you talk about like the name of it or? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, we're calling it Moments Made of Gold, which is uh, you know one of the, the one of the tracks. One of the tracks, right? Um, but yeah, it's a uh, really you know we're really excited about it. It was strange situation. I mean, we basically were going in to record a small demo and really liked what was happening and just kept popping more songs in it. And the next thing you know, it's like, we got, we got eight solid tracks here that, you know, we can, we can actually use. So, and you guys earn a three minute and 33 second 
you know, kind of band. <laughs> there might be one or two on there that's <laughs> yeah. close to that, but uh, no, not generally. I mean, it's. I think the whole album clocks in around forty something minutes uh, through eight songs. Yeah, and uh, so there's no date for it to be released, but I'm sure it'll be a really fun release party. Looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, we're. We're going to close out the radio hour with uh, a song from that album called uh, Staying With Friends. Um, You're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash. I'm John Goldman. Got Adam Conley here with me. What's up, man? Yeah, I'm I'm still here. Uh, Still there. All right. And uh, you're listening to us on Radio Harbor Country, WRHC 106.7 out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ. 93.5 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. You could also stream the the uh, show, which uh, airs lo- uh, which airs Fridays from two to three, and then uh, also the same show will will re-air on Wednesdays from ten to eleven p.m. Uh, and then we also have a podcast. Uh, we will often have post radio content on the podcast, so we're going to do that today. Stick around. And uh, we are underwritten by Harbor Country Hydroponics out of New Buffalo, Michigan, for everything you need to grow your own secret stash. All right, here is Stealing the Farm, sharing with, staying with friends, and this is going to be off their new album.
Steel on the Farm with Staying with Friends, and that is going to be on your uh, next album that's coming out, Moments of Gold. Moments Made of Gold. Molden, Moments Made of Gold. Uh, and that, So we were talking, the, um, the former keyboard player, one of the founding members of the band, right. uh, actually wrote that song. Correct. Right. Yeah. John, well, uh, John Smith. John yeah. Smith. All right. Uh, kind of a tough song. You know, yeah, it's rough lyrics. Real, real personal song for him. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's very well written. It's it's my favorite song that we play. Like, it, as far as songwriting wise, I think it's you know it it stands up to most of the stuff that I love. So, you know, and with Marcus's voice, it just kind of has its own life. Like you almost think that it's done by you know the fish or widespread or something like that. And but but it's your own original song. I mean that. Yeah. That's a, a great that's a great song. Have you, you thought like, you know, which which songs on the album have that like universal appeal that might be you know, th- maybe that one? That's one of them for sure. Um there's there's a couple songs that we th- I mean, I don't know. You, you know, never know. I know. Things. It's like I, I I think that it it's all it all has its own merit, you know, it's all it's all as good as we can do and you know, I I think that there's I don't know. There's a handful of songs on there that I think that could, you know, really could be widely enjoyed and listened to. Um, but who knows? You know, it's just one of those things where we just put it out there and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you know, you'll you'll definitely um, distribute them. People are going to be just eating them up because they're really, you know, unless you go to one of your live shows, it's not like you know there's music on spotify or anything like that and it's original stuff there's no other way to to hear it yeah so um looking forward to that awesome. and so the whole process with um 
with recording it. You mentioned that first you went in, you were going to just do a demo and then, you know, kept enjoying the process and then taking it to that next step. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, like I said, it was pretty much an accidental, accidental EP, I guess. Um, but yeah, it, it, it all was, it was working. And when did you start that whole recording process? How long ago? Two, three years ago? Really? No, no, it wasn't that long ago, but it was, uh, the spring like early spring of, of 2019 yeah i believe so. oh okay so it's yeah. happening pretty quickly then really uh yeah i mean it's it it's snowballed <laughs> quicker than we expected yeah. for sure and you know it's like i said it was it it wasn't intentional to really go in and put out an album it was more of like get some things recorded for press kit purposes and you know having a tangible thing that we could hand to venues and right. stuff and that was really the whole idea behind it and it started off kind of slow and it was a little achy like at very at the very beginning and then it went really quick right after that like it was like once everybody kind of got comfortable with it it was like oh bam 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 it's like the next thing you know like I said, it was like well then didn't you go out to california and recut some of the vocals and the um, yeah, the overdubs and things like that. Well, the, yeah, the whole band went to California except for me because uh-huh. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I just started kids a new and job yeah. and had three <laughs> kids, and it was just not a thing I could do, unfortunately. But, uh, but yeah, um, all the uh, all the lead vocals were recorded out there, and um, you know, my uh, Skip Sailor. Uh, so Marcus was, you know, it was a big difference, like the the studio in L.A. and the studio we were recording it out here. I mean, he was singing into a microphone out there that was. You know, this is worth two of my cars, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like literally like a $35,000 microphone. So um, that he was getting yelled at because Marcus sings big. He's like, man, you're uh-huh. going to break it. <laughs> yeah. Step oh, back. really? Really? <laughs> but, but yeah, so we went out there and did. That's pretty much where all the mixing happened. And then yeah. the vocals and then a few of like like the horn parts that are on there by Willie Waldman were done out there. Um, but that's about it. All the other uh, instruments and everything were recorded the, you know, and is uh, willie waldman the producer on the album he's, he's one of them yeah for sure uh yeah, you guys producing it too or uh you have willie producing it and who else oh man i mean oh it's a whole it's a, I mean, it's a whole laundry list yeah, gotcha there's a lot of people that, that have, yeah it'll be on the out. it'll yeah. be on the album for cover sure. for sure it'll be uh yeah, all the credits yeah, all the appropriate yeah. credits you get to read all their names yeah. there you go <laughs> yeah. uh so i know that a lot of your songs are kind of extended songs have can you think of any particular show where you guys just had this endless jam and you know what kind of time we talking about with like one of those endless jams those those are weird because usually that's one of those things where you don't even realize it's happening when it's happening oh yeah i guess so uh, it's it's not till afterwards you're like "Oh, oh damn like Last time we looked at the clock, we're just like, all right, we got 40 minutes. We got to do probably this song, this song. All right, we can do that. And then play one song and end up in one of those jams. And then you look down, it's like, we got nine minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay. (laughs) Cool. But yeah, it's, it's those things. If they, they have to happen organically, you know, you can't really go into it being like, all right, we're going to do a 20 minute jam on this. Right. Right. It's a, just got to feel it. Yeah, it's if if you go into it like trying to do that, you're just going to end up you're going to end up boring people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you use uh, tone pedals? Um, or any kind of I, tone? I have a couple envelope filters that I I haven't been using a lot lately at all. Um, I've just been going clean for the last 
I don't know, a few months and don't really know why. It just, <laughs> just one of those things. I like, yeah. just haven't set my pedals up, but, uh, I like envelope filters. It gives you that weird, like watery funk bootsy Collins ish feeling uh-huh. you know, to it. Um, but I tend to, I mean, back when I was in like the funk shoe band and whatnot, like I had a, I had a pedal board where I had like, you know, I had a phaser and a flanger and uh-huh. had delay and I had two different envelope filters and I had a loop pedal and just all kinds of crap. And it becomes distracting at some point, especially being a bass player. It's just like, you know, <laughs> I have a job in this band and it's not to be Pink Floyd. <laughs> you uh-huh. know? So. But you get that opportunity too to, to go out like on a, with a melody, which doesn't always happen with the bass. Sure. Yeah, no, that's that's true. It's just, it's one of those things where, like I said, with, with the effects, I, me personally, I feel like I end up losing my focus sometimes. So I try, like I said, I go through sp- spots like I am right now where I'm just like, nope. None, uh-huh. of, none of it. Yeah, the, yeah. Like, the bass is good enough. Oh. You want to get back to basics. Yeah, it's, I don't know. The, the only time you know the bass player is, isn't there, or the only time you recognize the bass player is when he isn't there, right? Yeah, so. there. <laughs> well, uh, but it depends on the bass player, too. You sure. Know, uh, when, you're, when you're getting an opportunity to create some melody, then then it becomes a pretty strong part of the song. Yeah, uh, if you're holding down the the back end, the the rhythm, then you know it's a very important part, but not something that you would like you say notice until it's not there. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you got any shows coming up? Yeah, man, we got a. <clears throat> the next thing coming up is the uh, Ike Fest at the Isaac Walton in Michigan City, uh, which is a two day outdoor festival with. I think Shoreline Brewery's uh, bringing kegs out and everything. They'll be doing all the beer. There's all these awesome food vendors, whatnot. Um, but we're it's uh, September 13th and 14th. We are uh, we are headlining on the 13th of the Friday, and then there's camping on site there. Really, um, and this is a a, a thing for a, a school, private school? No, it's a, a Isaac Walton is a nature conservancy. Oh, okay. Yeah, so all there's right. there's chapters all over the United States. Um, and I guess the one in Michigan City is like the oldest or one of the oldest in the really? country. Um, but just a really awesome piece of land that's uh, just right off 421, um, kind of over by, like, I think there's a Boy Scouts uh, place over there. But it, I don't know if you're head north on, or south on 421 from Michigan City, it's right before you get into Westville. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, just, so past the Harley dealer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Out yeah, there. It's out in the boonies, yeah. But like I said, just gorgeous gorgeous property oh, cool. big, big lake there lots of awesome woods and hiking and everything and the ike fest yeah yeah uh, all right and what other bands are playing there oh man i know uh chester brown is playing right. uh they're, they're headlining saturday night i know uh, the tommy thompson band's there um i think reggae express is there there's there's a bunch of local bands there it's should be pretty neat. Yeah, and they and people camp there and everything. Yeah, that, yeah, for sure. Awesome. So this is the first year they've done two days of music. Though normally they would just do the the one day, and it was still camping and everything. But yeah. this year they went bigger. So they're doing. I think there's uh, there's music from I want to say early early or late afternoon on Friday till midnight. And then, and then uh, you guys close it on Friday. Yeah, you're the headliner for Friday. We play till midnight on Friday. I'm pretty sure it's like nine to twelve or something like that. All right, and that would be 
Central Time. Yes, yes, nine to twelve. Yes, it is in Indiana. So it's always a, an issue. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. is that Eastern Time? Is that Central yeah, Time? Like, who knows, man? Yeah, There's no such thing as time. <laughs> <laughs> is that one of the songs, the Pink Floyd? I've, I mean, I've never heard you do it, but uh, I know you do that Pigs version, uh, uh, Pink Floyd. Do you do any other Pink Floyd songs? We band? yeah, we have. Uh, I mean, yeah, we've played. Uh, We've had like Fearless, which is a really cool song off the album Metal. Yeah. Um, we've done, uh, what's that song on the wall that we play? I can't remember the name of the song. Um, Vera? Nope, not Vera. <laughs> mother? It's not Mother either. That's, <laughs> those, are, those are definitely songs on that album. Though. Not another Brick in the Wall part <laughs> no. two. No, it was too obvious. Young Lust, Young Lust. Young Lust. Oh, oh yeah, that's, that's a good one. Sorry, my brain is is what it is <laughs> but yeah but no pink floyd's another one that's really it's fun to play but it's so intricate and, and there's so much layered and going on and it's you gotta kind of pick and choose your battles with those guys like, yeah I mean, we've talked about like doing a lot of different tunes like same thing with like the dead and stuff there's like a lot of songs like oh we should play that that's just like all right, uh, <laughs> that, that part's played by an orchestra. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, like, well, okay, let's not do that then. But, you know, but Pink Floyd's one that, like I said, you really got to, if you're going to tackle it, you got to you gotta make sure you're going to do it justice or else you're just going to be annoying people. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you were talking before some of your influences, Les Claypool, Victor Wooten, uh, Those are early influences. Oh, okay. All right. So, who, who are some of your base influences now? What about O'Teal? O'Teal's one of my favorites, man. He's oh, in my, my yeah. top three. Love that really? guy. Yeah. You know, for a long time, I mean, back Aquarium Rescue unit days. Like, oh, that's like, right. Like, he was with Aquarium Rescue. Yeah, unit. that's where I Alvin first Brothers. heard him. Yeah, and it, it, he's just one of those guys that you put him in any situation, and he is going to do exactly his job, and he's going to do it really really well yeah you know, that's my like, impression of like him too can, like he first time i saw him live was in a band called vita blue which is sure uh, it's yeah, Paige mcconnell's yeah. uh side project when uh, they're coming out with an album yeah, like really next month or something that. me yeah. too all right, right. But yeah but seeing him <laughs> with that whole thing and like i don't yeah. know if you've ever seen him do like his the crazy like scat stuff that he does when he's scatting the notes he's playing on his solos and oh. i mean he's just like a phenomenal jazz player like just phenomenal oh, bet. and then you see him like jump into a band like the Allman Brothers and it's uh-huh. just like him playing blues bass. Right, and right. Nothing flashy, nothing special, just I'm holding it down. And then turn around and he's, you know, George Benson on, uh-huh. <laughs> on the bass. Yeah. Like, what, okay. Well, I've seen him a bunch of times with Dead and Company and, you know, he's got his own groove with that. He's doing a lot of the singing and oh, yeah. uh, comes out with a lot of melodic kind of parts too. Yeah, they, they uh, could, does he play a six-string bass? Uh, sometimes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think right. with a dead, you know, he definitely does because that's the sound. I know, think like Phil did Phil too, did, or does, you know, but, but doesn't play with dead and company. I've, I've seen him play multiple different basses in shows, like so. Yeah, it was like mostly four-string in, in the almonds. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, mostly. Yeah. yeah, for sure. He, like I said, he's depends <laughs> yeah well, he knows, so he he knows he's his got role. more than one bass to play he, he knows his role and yeah he, he, like i said he excels at it and it doesn't matter what it is he's dude special but yeah he's one of my favorites i'm a huge fan of chris wood from uh Medesky martin and wood uh, oh and yeah the, the wood brothers as well uh-huh. um 
he's another dude that's, you know, he's just, he's amazing. And, but also just the ability to go from like crazy jazz fusion to like simple folk, you uh-huh. know, just like, just right. do it flawlessly. So yeah, Medeski, Martin and Wood, they are out there. It's some fun music. Oh yeah. There's, but they got a I mean, they got a pretty big catalog now. So it's, it's one of those things where, I mean, they got a, they got a children's album that is, is that right? Just, yeah. It's unbelievable. It's amazing, but it's, 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 definitely a children's album you know that's funny uh, what makes it a children's album? Do, there's no is there vocals on there, it there is vocals oh, okay. on it yeah but uh, it's it's all over the place i mean you'd have to check it out i think it's called let's go everywhere i don't want to say it's the name of the album but sounds like a dr seuss book or something yeah it's uh, <laughs> it's funny well there's a well you're in that mode a little bit more so you might recognize <laughs> if it's a well the title track is a playoff of uh the the johnny cash tune that i've been everywhere like and it's uh, oh. it's just a it's like a learning song about geography. Uh, it's yeah. really cool, but but it's Medeski Martin and Wood, same guys who play every single synthesizer known to man in the first three minutes of an album. <laughs> like, so, but, but. All right, so Ike Fest September thirteenth and fourteenth. That's right. And uh, Leroy's right, You're playing Leroy's yeah, in October. Got, yeah, I think October eleventh. We're, we're October eleventh. So that's a Friday. That's uh uh, 9 p.m. Central start. <laughs> uh-huh. All right. It is in Porter. But uh, that's a really fun place to play, too. So yeah, that is. That's, best that's food it. in the world. <laughs> yeah, I can't can't say you're wrong, man. <clears throat> I mean, they have a pretty solid uh, beer list, usually, too. They do, indeed, yeah. So it's it's a fun place. I mean, yeah. Anytime you're looking for good live music, odds are good. Uh-huh. Friday and Saturday night, Leroy's is a, is a place you can stop in and check something out that... Right, they get good, solid stuff through there. And weren't we talking a couple of weeks ago? Steepwater, I think that was kind of like their um, home turf for a while. Like that's yeah, where kind of they get in there quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, their guitar player was hosting a an open mic or like a open an open blues jam thing uh, yeah. for a long time on Sundays there. So. Oh yeah. Can we listen to another song from the album, uh, the upcoming album? I, I don't think they'll poach me. Uh, well, which uh, which one do you think? Let's see. Here. What about that one that you were talking about that you wrote? Oh, you know what? You know, that that one's got some uh, personal some, stuff. No, it's not personal stuff. It's just some words that you don't want. Oh no, we're in the podcast oh, really? portion. Oh, I, I haven't even talked about that. We're in the podcast portion, and uh, uh, so, so I can been, stop censoring no, myself. Yeah. This whole <laughs> oh <thing>. my god. <laughs> Here, can we do let's can we do the blues song instead? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think this would right, let's this see. Will some I'll good radio stuff there. there. Awesome. All right. Uh so we're gonna close it out. Oops. And you're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash on uh Radio Harbor Country. Also, right now you're listening to it through the podcast. Johnny's Secret Stash with no H available through iTunes or Podbean, wherever you get your uh uh, your podcast and we have um we have patrick conway from stealing the farm bass player from stealing the farm with us and um here with my co-host adam conley uh you can also listen to the radio portion of the show through radioharborcountry.org you can stream it of course it's broadcast um fridays from 2 to 3 p.m and replayed on Wednesdays from 10 to 11 p.m. Uh, We are underwritten by Harbor Country Hydroponics out of New Buffalo, Michigan, for everything you need to grow your own secret stash. And we are going to close out our 
interview with Patrick Conway to listen to Stealing the Farms, not the same. This is coming up off of their album with uh, an, a release date, hopefully by the end of the year, but Soon. You know, whenever. But you know what? We're going to make a big deal about it. We'll uh, definitely let everybody know. Looking forward to it. Here we go. Not the same, Stealing the Farm. Good night, everybody. That's alright
That's all. That first lap. That's all right. That's all right. It's all right, baby. It's all. Right. 